Stories the True and the Fictional are having their very first giveaway, and you can win your very own replica of Grey's Sports Almanac. To enter, listen to the podcast to get the special code word and send it to the true and the fictional at gmail.com. But wait, there's more. For a greater chance to win, leave us a review on iTunes, screenshot it, and send it to the true and the fictional at gmail.com. For an even greater chance to win, send us your funniest true story to the true and the fictional at gmail.com. The winner will be announced on the show. So what are you waiting for? Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. We are a podcast that dives into the stories of people's lives, everyday people like you and me, or even famous people throughout history. We'll talk about TV shows, movies, books, anything where stories are involved. But it doesn't stop there. We want to get you, the listener, involved as well. So if you have a story, something funny or random that may have happened to you or a friend, send it to the true and the fictional at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. So until then, strap in, it's story time. Hello and welcome to... Dino incest in the morning. That's code word, dino incest. <laughs> Hello and welcome to True to Stories. True and True. <laughs> My name is Chris. I am joined by with me by some amazing people today. I have with me the award-winning archaeologist and recent discoverer of the tombs of Cthulhu. We have Ryan, Dr. Ryan Haig. How are you doing, sir? Oh, very tired from all that Cthulhu and Octoporn. Now, there have been, you know, some musings on the internet and some forums discussing that you should return the tombs to the old ones because essentially all they want to do is summon Cthulhu and Cthulhu means peace. What do you have to say to the claims of the beliefs of the of the eldritch folk? I say fuck them. Oh. I, I got the tomb. It had a free NFT in it. That's <laughs> all I need. Well... I would imagine, but I wonder, I would imagine that NFT would be worth quite something now. Essentially, not only do you have an NFT, but you have the power to summon Cthulhu. I think that's be, that'd be worth something. Oh, definitely. Look, I know a lot of people who are into technical porn, and mm-hmm. to be able to summon Cthulhu at the same time, I mean, if you notice, he's he's just covered in tentacles. I mean, it writes itself, really, it does. I mean, yeah. essentially, if you're if you if you're doing any sort of scene and adding Cthulhu, I mean, the story takes hold of itself. It's very, it's a very straightforward story where, where exactly. you go with that. And look, that's my bread and butter, and, and I'm going to stick to it. So anyone who wants me to return the tomb can, um, yeah, just shut up. And, and as the British would say, and I quote this from the history books, finders keepers. Exactly. Now, <laughs> weepers. Moving across, do we have a, a an award-winning author, publisher of the famous book, If You're Not Far Left, You're Far Wrong. We have with me James Bryden, Jamie Bryden. How are you going, <laughs> sir? I'm very well, very well. Now, your um, book yes. does seem somewhat tend to fly in the face of your normal beliefs. Can you explain to me why you've written the book praising Marxism and all its fine I- ideals? Well, I, I, had a, I had a long, long um, think about it. I, I, 
I actually, you know, listened intently to the the words of the great, the world's greatest um, poet, um, historian, um, AOC from um, over mm, in the absolutely, states. Absolutely, she is just incredible. Um, words of wisdom, her tears are, uh, are inspiring, um, and I just, you know, I just kind of just followed her over to the left, and I thought, you know, I'm going to tell people about the story of me following her over to the left, to the left, to the left. Mm-hmm. That's actually my follow-up. My next book is called To the Left, To the Left, To the Left. Uh, you might have a few copyright issues with Beyonce there, my friend. No, I believe Beyonce might have a well, few different well, opinions it's, on it's, that. It's fun, no, because I've just, I've just been in contact with her and she is doing the forward, so... All right. Oh, she's yep, doing. Okay. She's doing the forward, forward, forward. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, I mean that that song famously was when Beyonce declared her allegiance to a specific political party. Obviously, exactly, not, yeah. that, that was, yeah. that was yeah. very, 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 very strong and powerful song. Now, Jamie. Now you mentioned AOC. Now, because you have joined the left, did you get a date or not? Is that is that, is that the plan? She said she'd let me know. Mm-hmm. She's her schedule is just really busy. Of course, of course. Ah, yeah. She's busy. busy you know um selling her tesla she doesn't want it anymore understandable there'd be a lot of people who'd be interested in buying a tesla just you know not just you know not just because it was her tesla i mean that probably makes it worth more yeah. i would imagine yeah. but just generally they're an ex- very expensive car in australia well i was just chatting to her the other day and she she was she was saying that um she got a lot of lot of messages from people saying, do you come with the car? <laughs> <laughs> Classic Simpsons reference. Yes. But I mean, the way, the way fuel prices are going at the moment, I think we'll all be in Tesla's soon enough. No, Fred Flintstone cars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to have Temple Block Riot queued up every time we go like that. <laughs> now, if you had a workable Fred Flintstone car, would you, like, okay, that's, Jamie, first for you, then Ryan. Actually, I've got the Ryan first. Ryan, if you had a workable Fred Flintstone car, so then you that would you drive it? Um, well, being an Uber driver as well, I think it would, as long as the passengers were willing to get in on the uh, pedaling, <laughs> the shuffling, mm-hmm. I'd be okay with that. Because, again, when you think about it, that car shouldn't work. But if it could, in fact, work, it would be, you know, a car powered purely by kin- your kinetic energy. At that point, you're essentially just running. But that's yeah. not that's not really the that's not the point. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched the Flintstones. It seems like though the running up start was just to get the, the car moving, but once yeah. it's moving, it worked like a normal car. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the real selling point is you are actually able to have a side of mammoth ribs put on the side of the car. Yeah. And the car will eventually tip over, but you'll be able to get a few ribs before it does. Absolutely. And, you know, and you'd be able to fit your giant saber-toothed cat in the back. Exactly. I mean, that's a key element on, on that whole thing. Yep. Um, why you'd bring the cat out just to get takeaway, that's a separate, again, cat people are cat people. They, they you know, that's the family pet. They'll bring it out. Anyway. Well, it's different times back then. It's a generational thing, Chris. A generational the thing, culture, The culture was very different. A very different culture. And, Jane, what about you? If you had the ability to have a friend's Flintstone car, would you... Would you would you use it? I'd, I'd want to take it for a test drive, let's be honest. A um, test run, you mean? A test run, yeah. Oh! the oh, nose. Um, yeah, because, look, it's basically just a big billy cart that you operate from the inside. And I was a fan of billy carts, so I couldn't, I could never make them stop. Um, but could you, I mean, just how would you stop it? Like I in think, the sh- I think you know, in the show they use their feet, which is that's kind correct. of suicidal. <laughs> down, you know, to stop the vehicle. You know, imagine, 
imagine trying to, you know, you're merging onto the M7, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you got to speed yes. up to 120 kilometers to get, you know, into the M7. And then, you know, you got to change lanes and slow down. I like that you chose the privatized freeway over the of government course. run freeway. Of course, <laughs> private all the way. <laughs> I could see a lot of accidents happening, you know. Yeah. But I mean, essentially, that's what the Jurassic Park franchise is now building towards the dinosaurs in the world i would then expect you know a movie yeah. about a quarry and fred flintstone to happen shortly <laughs> after and if it doesn't you know i think i'll be we all will be disappointed i could see chris pratt sliding down a dinosaur that's yeah. an interesting reboot idea but you didn't chris like john, john goodwin <laughs> look the first one i think i think had value what did you guys think of the first one i can't even remember it other than well, wasn't it john wasn't goodwin. it rick moranis as barney too like before he quit acting, I'm pretty sure it was Rick Moranis from Kids. It was, it was, it wasn't as it, Barney before it he quit. Was acting. I have so much respect for that actor though. The flip, yeah, it was a, it was a not like, it was not a bad movie from memory. <laughs> from memory, are we going to watch it and get back to everyone? <laughs> from my understanding, it was not a terrible, terrible movie. But I again, I it had it had Halle Berry in it. Really? Mm. Are you it serious? Did. I think she was like the she was like the, the 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 villain. Yes, her name was Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. <laughs> that's right. I'm looking it up as we speak. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Because it has Halle Berry in it, I think it's a that movie's a winner. That's just a solid winner. Yeah, John Goodman, Rick Moranis were from Barney. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh god! Then you had Rosie O'Donnell as Betty Rubble. Yeah, Halle Berry was Miss Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool. Not a bad, not a bad That's cast. A pretty solid cast. I'm just looking at the cast now as we speak. You know, you've got Elizabeth Taylor, you've got Kyle MacLachlan, um, Dan Florek. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty decently cast. And then, they, and then they had the the Viva Rock Vegas for the sequel, which didn't I mean, do but look, let's also talk about something about that. In 1994, it made $341 million at the box office. <laughs> so that's uh, good. It, that's it's quite good. For, um, yeah. um, yes. I mean, I reckon I if it got re-released now, I could knock Avatar and Endgame off this person. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, you get the director, Brian Levin, coming out and going, I don't want anyone complaining about the length of Fred Flintstone 2. <laughs> oh. <laughs> My movies are seven hours long. Deal with it now. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, yeah, Rick Moranis. That's a good, ca- good catch, Ryan. I, I, I forgot about that movie. And the more I think about it, the more I remember, you know, how great that film was. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, think it's, I, think that, I think that movie was un, underdone. And I, I have not seen the sequel. Apparently, you know, like most sequels are, they're, they're terrible. But... Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's basically the same thing. It's just they go to Vegas, so it's Viva Rock Vegas. So. Okay, okay. You know those 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 jokes are, those jokes work once or twice. Like no, well, basically it was it was a it was a, a boardroom full of executives just saying as many puns as they could and go yeah. yes, that's a movie. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It was just so like puns rock and roll. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> oh, Elizabeth Taylor in her final theatrical yeah. appearance. Interesting. There you go. Well, there we go. That's yeah. That well, is that's... history <laughs> in the making. Think about that. All right. 
Back onto Chris Pratt. No, just kidding. <laughs> Back onto Chris Pratt. No, Jamie, you have something. You've cooked up something special for us today, haven't you? Oh. Yeah, well, I, I basically just wanted to visit um, the old school stuff to, to kind of honor the, the people that have stuck around since the beginning. We have a fair few list listeners for, that have stayed from the beginning. Um, and I just wanted to do an old school one with Get Chris on Board because he's got some humorous insights, as you can tell. He is he is a very talented um, segwayer to talented. Um, <laughs> Are you, uh, do you do you ride your segway to work, Chris? Is that your, your yeah, I do. Segway? And then, then I make snarky comments about people on the sidewalk <laughs> because they're walking on my segway path. And then I'm like, going, yeah. I, I am segwaying here. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, mm. think, yeah. about, think about that. <laughs> the person who developed the segway, it's like going, We've developed this device that you move a little bit faster than walking. But what's the point of it? These broadest say, ha, but what happens if you're an egotistical bastard? <laughs> right. And you want to show how powerful you are by at a very, very slow pace. And they went, who's our, who's our demographic for this one? Tech nerds and executives who are too old to be, you know, and they should realize they're too old, but they don't realize they're too old yet. These, this is the market fairly small market but you know it's 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 the the age bracket before the uh the old person scooter uh, the yep. you know the mm. zoomy thing that they drive yep, around yep, on yep yep it's Little like it's wheel. like it's like it's a segue between walking writing <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah and then sitting down and riding so yeah i mean that just writes itself oh, right yeah. i mean it's living the dream to be honest almost, <laughs> almost as cool as those those shoes from like i think 10 years ago where they had wheels on the heels yeah I've seen so many people stack it with those shoes. Yeah. That's what I loved about it, yeah. that people just fell over all the time. <laughs> it was amazing. And honestly, if I need, we need to figure out how we can bring them back because it was just hilarious. You're watching people just like basically, you know, fall over randomly and they go, oh, wheelie shoes. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> now, Jamie, you were talking about something about yes. spandex. <laughs> spandex. Um, not a fan of spandex. I had to wear it once and uh, never again. What about Lycra? what's the difference like honestly i i actually i honestly don't know to be honest i think i think maybe manufacturer place i think lycra is the material no you know but it's, what, was... it's what those bike people wear that they want when they want to show their balls off to as many people as All possible right. yeah no no i think yeah i think no but um <laughs> well span i think i think it's just like it depends what you use it for spandex if you're a superhero you know <laughs> then it's spandex but if you wear it cycling it's like i don't know well no i mean to be, are... to be honest those people wearing those Lycra shorts when they're riding their bike, they must be proud of their balls because, you know, and you know what? They should be, you know, maybe, maybe, well, maybe not all of them, but some of them you go, well, you know what? I can't, I can't argue with what you, what you're swinging around there, mate. Like yeah. I, I can't argue with that. And, and, and this is the last thing I'll say on spandex and all that crap. I remember being at this, this, um, I think it was my auntie's 70th birthday party. And I was at some big restaurant down in the city. And the menu was appalling because I couldn't understand a single thing on it. Every, every now and again, it would say something like chicken. But then every other word I could not understand. Mm -hmm. And I had a kid's party going on out in the back. And there was this middle-aged, out-of-shape guy dressed in a very professional Tom Holland Spider-Man costume. Yeah, yeah. And he's just doing jump. Like He couldn't really do any tricks. Like He's just jump here, jump there. And then he, oh, well, I want, okay, he can, do a, he can do a pretty good handstand. But it was terrible because he did the handstand, but then his genital area was in my line of face. And you could see a very, very, very specific bulge. 
Fantastic. And that's, and that's how Jamie met his husband. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're getting married next week. Um, AOC, <laughs> AOC doesn't know about it. Um, Ryan is initiating. Initiating. Is that the word? I don't know. I would imagine you do those parties mostly to score with single mothers, right? Like that's the that's the goal, isn't it? Because you're already showing them you're, you're nuts. You know, you're showing them how fit you are by yeah, wearing. Like, I know when I'm looking for a children's entertainer, I'm looking for someone who's going to show his nuts. <laughs> you're wearing a costume to show off your physique. Yeah. And you're going to a kid's party. You must know there'll be a single aunt, mother, or something yeah. at this damn but, party. But like, you must know that that's a thing. And she's like, you know, she's she's 35, still attractive, but she never had kids because of her career. And she's always envious of her sister. And, it's, you know, and she's there trying to smile for her sister's party and she's trying to be good. But, you know, she gets angry and she just needs to get, and then she just needs to get laid. And then there you are, Mr. Man in the Spider-Man outfit, balls hanging out as you're going upside down. <laughs> I mean... They, they weren't hanging out, they were presenting. Um, pre- yeah, exactly, that's presenting. Ca- you know, kind that's of like, like, you know how Jim Carrey in, in Ace Ventura, where he's, you know, oh, look, the rhinoceros is giving birth. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, moving on. <laughs> Can I borrow your segue, Chris? Um, <laughs> What are you segueing to? Greetings. We're technically a conversation, a podcast for curious people by curious people. Every week, we take turns presenting a new topic, and the other host has no idea what the topic will be. We strive to educate in a way that's loose and fun. Our topics are all over the place, from light and funny to dark and sometimes spooky. Some of the topics we've covered include urban legends, civil rights activists, vampires, pop culture icons, the supernatural and occult, spies and espionage, science and astronomy, and other weird and random things. If any of these topics interest you, give our podcast a shot. Listen and subscribe at technicallyaconversation.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rental advisory. We might use strong language. Funny stories from history. Just an article I found, and you know we're going to probably do a lot more tangenting. Um, but yeah, basically we're just going to go through it. We're going to talk about it, have a laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Chris will tell us if it's historically accurate or or not. All right, let's go. Um, all right, Brian, do you want to take the first one? Sure. Okay. So in 1917, when George S. Patton was stationed in France, the mayor of a French town mistook a covered latrine pit for the grave of one of Patton's soldiers. Patton didn't correct the mayor, and when he visited the town during World War II, he found the locals were still respectfully maintaining the grave. See, that just sounds like something you do to a French person because they're French. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that just sounds like he was, you know, he saw that happening and went, hang on, then went, you stupid French. And then he went, yeah, yeah that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you reckon it was intentional? Oh, 100%. There's no, yeah. there's no, no question that, you know, <laughs> look, picking on the French and the French, you know, runs deep within people's genetics. Whilst America, you know, whilst they claim that they're, you know, they're an ally of France. But even they, even they themselves had some sort of natural, you know, there's a natural, you know, I think it's probably from the English side of the natural, you know, 
desire to pick on the French people because, you know, it's, it's what you do in life. And so when this man of war saw this French person do something ridiculous, his instinct was to, you know, correct him to say, you know, I'll say, you don't have to do that. But then the other part of him, a more deep and primal aspect of him said, suck at you, Frenchie, go do it. <laughs> and then he laughed and snickered, probably told a lot of people. And when they came back, probably then just, you know, told a whole bunch more people, probably didn't correct them until much later on, though. I would imagine <laughs> the, the correction probably happened in 1994 when it was, when, you know, <laughs> when it was, you know, in his like dying, like in his dying journal, they read through and go, oh, wait, that's not a thing at all. He probably didn't correct them. I, like, he probably corrected them, but in my mind, I like to believe he didn't correct them until he died. <laughs> well, well, here, here, further down the article, it says the last soldier to use the pit had made a cross-like sign that read "abandoned rear." Well, then that makes complete sense. An abandoned rear admiral who died on the field. I mean, this is you know, this is obviously just you know, makes logical sense. Yeah, Ryan. If you were in that same circumstance, would you do the honorable thing or would you just make fun of the French person? Make fun of the French person. Of course. I mean, you know, we're asking the wrong crowd here. I think we need a, we need a French opinion on this, on, this, on this one. If you are French and you are listening, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you're not unless you're in another country because I, I look at the statistics and analytics, whatever you call them. Analytics. Very closely. We have, we have a Russian, however. And like I said, like, it may not be a Russian. Maybe someone who lives in Russia. Uh, or maybe someone using a VPN that's said it in Russia. Yeah, but they're yeah. secretly oh. from France. Oh, you're saying they're infiltrating us via Russia. Of course, of course. French like to remind everyone that, you know, they've won more battles in history than any other society. We like to remind them that they surrendered like little chimps in a war. I mean, this is just, you know, it's, it's, a, cruel, it's a cruel thing to happen, you know, your last well, in, mistake is remembered regardless of how great you were. Yeah. Well, in saying that, it was funny. It's funny that you say that because I was actually reading uh, a Captain America comic today where he was fighting the Chitauri warriors and the Chitauri is like, we've just set off a nuclear bomb to wipe out the planet. Um, you know, why don't you just give up now? And it just cuts into a shot of his head and he, just, he says, do you think the letter on my on my helmet stands for France? Oh, <laughs> oh really? well done. Wow. So, wow. And that was oh, from, that I think, just... from 2004. So, mm. even back then. Even back then. That was pretty good. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next one. Sure. In 1950, during the Korean War, some US Marines ran out of mortar rounds, so they used a radio to ask for more ammo. But when making their request, the soldiers used their code name for mortar shells, which was Tootsie Rolls. The person on the other end of the radio took it literally, and when the airdrop arrived, it was fill filled with actual Tootsie Rolls. Given how inaccurate military is in terms of generating supplies in i'm surprised they got a delivery let alone the fact that it was tootsie rolls like i mean that's that's like it's completely believable because soldiers had nicknames for all kinds of things you know and also you know when you're speaking about something over the phone you generally should be using some sort of code you know so you yeah you're not telling them that we're out of mortars so we're out of mortar rounds. So if you want to, uh, hello North Korea, China. If you want to attack us now, we can't defend our position from from you know from with mortars. So yeah. it's gonna be smarter to use code words yeah. in that regard. Yeah. This is obviously the person on the other end didn't pick up the fact is that they're not gonna order. Yeah. We need twelve hundred rounds of rifle rounds because we're out of ammunition. Thanks, you know. And if you if you're listening and plan to attack with some truck, no. 
that makes sense. I'm surprised they even got. I'm surprised they even found the Tussie rolls. To be honest, though, more than anything, anything in like in South Korea, let alone of all places. They probably got it from um, what's his name, um, the dude from Zombieland. That's Twinkies. Yeah, oh, that's Twinkies. Oh. There you go. I, I don't that's know the difference, why. but you know, I don't even know what a Tootsie roll is. To be honest with you, so that is also a good question, Jamie. What is a Tootsie roll? Tootsie roll is a chocolate taffy. That has been manufactured in the United States since 1907. Makes the candy sense. has qualities similar to both caramels and taffy without being ex- exactly either connection. See, that should have raised some red flags immediately from headquarters. <laughs> like, who would order that? In the middle, in the midst of a battle, would they like who would order those items? <laughs> like, you know what? They would have had. They would have had one general, one war-loving general. God damn it! If those soldiers want tootsie rolls, we'll give them these goddamn. Yeah. It's their right as an American to have some goddamn tootsie rolls. Battle-fighting men want to eat some chewable candies with chocolate from memories of home. God damn it! Let's get them from those, those candies. <laughs> That's the American dream. I, I can. I can see the scene. Like, like you got like the the general there, and he's like. I just have to go to the bathroom. Don't do anything while I'm gone. <laughs> now, does the article indicate if they fired them actually at the enemy? Because that would be even more impressive. If actually, like, like, if they got a bunch of them together, like started chewing them up, spitting them out. It says here they use the candies to patch equipment like hoses and stuff like there, that. There you go. Okay. There they may go. do. And they got followed by rats everywhere. Um. Yeah, I would, it would have been better if they tried to fire them actually at the enemy, like load them mortar, 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 mortar tubes with Tootsie Rolls. That would have been even you, hilarious. You never hilarious. know. Someone may have done that, but um, there aren't records of everything. Probably they didn't, given how those mortar tubes were often the, between stood between them and dying. I think it's probably safe to say they didn't put <laughs> caramel candy into the, into the mortar <laughs> tubes. Do you think they maybe could melt it over the, the top of like the end of the mortar? So kind of, you know. So they so they would kill the North Korean Chinese with a sweet, sweet, tasty mortar <laughs> round. Okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I like to think that maybe a delivery got mixed up. That's that, that uh, like a candy shop in 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 South Louisiana ordered some Tootsie Rolls and um, ended up. <laughs> A giant crate of like everyone military round. Joe Bob sitting in the back of the shop, and he's like, "Damn these Tootsie Rolls! They taste a bit gunpowdery." <laughs> well, like, like this giant military crate of like mortar rounds appear. He's like, "Hey, Billy Bob, did you order some new munitions?" <laughs> That'd be funny uh, way. <laughs> I mean, that would be hilarious. That's it. That's a, be- that's a better story. And it's got like you know on the side, property of the United States. <laughs> 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 oh, right, Chris, you said you knew, you knew a lot about this next one. Do you want to take this next one? You do it. You do it. You want me to do it? Yes. Okay. Um, in seventy five BC, Julius Caesar was captured and ransomed by pirates who didn't realize who he was. The whole time he was their captive, he bossed them around from time to time. He also warned them he would have them crucified. The pirates assumed he was crazy, but after he was released, he came back to the capture of the pirates and then crucified them. Man of his word. Man like of his it. word. That's, <laughs> you know, I like it. That's what I like about your... That's, that's what I like about young young Gaius of the, of the, of the Julii, <laughs> that he was a man... If he, said, if he said a thing, he would do a thing. 
he promised the pirates crucifixion and then then forth they he you know he delivered it why the pirates let him go again that's a whole separate you know other other you know did they not think of the ramification? They probably did not think of the ramification. Well, they said yeah. they didn't know who he was, and he's probably just like, "Do you not know who I am?" And they'd be like, "Because he's British." Um, and they'd be of like, course. "You know, no, no, I don't." I'd, I'm like, I'd like to, I'd like to think one of them said, "Look at me, I'm the emperor now." <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be funny. <laughs> I think it's well. I don't think that- the, the pirates would have been Somali in a, in whatever <laughs> BC, but you know, I'd no, like- they would generally. They would not be they they would they would not be Somali. I would not imagine. I, <laughs> and you know. and Julius Caesar wasn't Tom Hanks. Uh, no, exactly. <laughs> Although I'd like to see Tom Hanks play Julius Caesar. I think movie. Tom Hanks would play a, a reasonable Julius Caesar. I don't think you know. I don't, I don't think he'd be you know. It'd be tough. It'd be one of his tougher roles, but I think he could do it quite well. I think well, he'd be. I'd pay money to see that. Would you Would you think though? I mean. You'd have to do. Would you do an accent, or would you just keep him as American Tom Hanks? Oh, American. Oh, yeah, American. He can do accents. He can do yeah, accents. Tom. I will. I, you know, give. You know, I, so that's why. That's why I was saying. Do you? Would you get him to do a Julia C. Like, a, 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 a slight Italian accent, or would you go what the BBC did with the Rome series? Just go. Everyone's British. It's fine. <laughs> We're all British. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know. Look, it's it's what depends on the feel of the movie. Like if, if was... you're doing the Julius Caesar thing, you're you're mounting a fairly large production. You're not doing like a comedy. You're not doing like a oh. unless you're doing Monty Python. That's a whole separate other conversation. Yeah, but it would be a you know this would be something that you know this would this would be something that you know um what's that, what's that guy his, his name eludes me now who does all the big movies that you know that were with ten hour cuts Ridley Scott yeah yeah that's him this would be yeah this would be Ridley Scott presents. Julius Caesar starring Tom Hanks. Then it would be authentic, so that you'd have to go authentic. Correct, and and, and you know, authentic is expensive for Rome yeah. anyway. So you know, the, yeah. so you'd want him to speak a little bit of accent. I think I think that's important. Right. Or they can just go in a completely other direction, and and Tom Hanks playing Julius Caesar takes all of his apostles, forms a baseball team, and takes them all the way to the championship, like he did in <laughs> League of Their Own. They were wearing dresses anyway. It's togas. <laughs> Tom Hanks inventing baseball. Yep. As Julius Caesar, and then you know, ta- then then winning, then winning the championship. And then, but his reward for that is they don't all shank him. He <laughs> <laughs> survives. They just tip a big bucket of Gatorade over the top of him instead. That would have been better than the knifing. In, you know, you know, that would have been better than the knifing, a hundred percent. So, just saying, Rid- Ridley Scott or Tom Hanks. Well, I know someone who's got Ridley Scott's contact details, so if you want to um, send it along, I can. This next one I'll get Ryan to read, but this is like the... the this is what the Spider-Man meme ripped off. <laughs> okay. Uh, from 1409 to 1417, the Catholic Church had three rival popes who each denounced the others as illegitimate. <laughs> I love I love that. That is that is truly outstanding, and I and I do miss the old days of good old fashioned open corruption, if you were. <laughs> uh, Wouldn't they all just cancel each other out? You, I, I denounce you, illegitimate. You're illegitimate. Everyone's illegitimate. They're all cancelled out. 
Well, no, I think well, the argument is obviously that because they're illegitimate, their illegitimate claims no make is null and void because they're illegitimate. Exactly. But the point is, someone needs to be proven legitimate first before those claims of illegitimacy need to take place. Exactly. And so, essentially, it is, <laughs> it is a standoff until someone can decide legitimacy. Well, who, who lit the smoke first, you know? <laughs> like... See, that, that's that, that you're having announcing three popes <laughs> is the kind of things when a bribe goes wrong, where you meant to pay off someone, then you pay off a few extra people, then, then you know, then three people standing up, then you go, crap. Was that meant to kill one or pay off one? What was, what was yeah. meant to happen? Like, you know, that's... You know what? I, I think I know what happened and how they finally got the one true Pope. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Vince McMahon yep. went down there and it was a triple threat match for the title. Simple. Will that be a ladder match? It seems like a ladder match. No, no. You know, so what? They're, gonna, they're just going to hang like the robe. They're, they're going to hang the pointy hat above the arena and then they have ladders, and then it's a ladder match to who can get the pointy Pope hat and put it on. But at the last minute, as the three Popes are climbing, you hear the Roman Reigns thing of like, duh, 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 duh. And then there's the man himself, you know, the head of the table rocks some sort of jungle and smashes them all down, slams them down, and then he announces himself both undisputed joint championship and Pope. <laughs> this this might sound a little bit controversial, but just as the last one goes up to get the helmet, Jesus Christ comes running down the the, the ramp and just hits it with a steel chair and ends up yep. winning the whole damn thing. And then Catholicism's done. Yep. <laughs> I reckon they get a fair few pay-per-view buys for that. Oh, 100%. Like, uh, again... Brian, yes. the term is pay-per-view. <laughs> Both of you. Now, 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 you you've touched on a very important conversation there, Ryan. Yeah. Now, Jesus runs out, yeah. but what? But what does he run out to? What is his in? What is his intro song? Um, what is his earring entrance song? Oh, that's a good one. Um, uh, Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And then you know what? Jesus is just about to grab the thing, and then all you hear is John Cena's entrance music, and it's all done. Would he guns and that? You know, that's it. Welcome to the jungle. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome fire up song. I think I think he'd go a little bit different. I think he'd go no no rest for the wicked. I okay. think. Oh yeah, ain't no rest, rest for the wicked. Money don't grow on trees. <laughs> Got bills paid. Now that we're talking, now that we're talking, a Jesus Christ running. Wouldn't you save that song for a Satan running after Jesus is just about to? We're getting awfully <laughs> religious here, but I just. No, 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 no! You see, you see, Jesus will get will take the Pope's hat, place it on his head, yeah. and the, the crowd will would would true. Then you'd hear the no rest of the Wigger song as Satan cashes his money in the bank in, and then like tackles him. And, but you know, it's not it's not Satan. It's literally Lucifer from the show Lucifer. From Lucifer, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Tom Ellis tackles him. Yeah, Tom yeah. <laughs> so opens the money in the bank. You know, cashes his money in the bank in, and then slams over, it, and then announces himself Pope as well. And that's how the world ended. <laughs> Absolutely. I look, you know what? I, I, you know, as a pay per view, I'd watch that match. Seriously, I would, I would, I, I, I seriously, just give me the pencil and I'll mm. make it happen. Coming 1407 pay per view. Um, <laughs> and then, and then you could have like as a, as an undercard, you could have a six on six, the 12 apostles. Just oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A six man, a 12 man tag team, six on each side, just to see who, who gets to stand by the side once oh, Jesus nice, cashes nice. in. That's, that's it. That'll be, that'll be I, a I good. Could, I could write this pay per view. Seriously, we can make mm-hmm. a lot of money from this. Yep. Yep. And you know what? 
But I think there'd be a lot of fans who'd be wanting to see that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now now would we just bring back Jim Caviezel, who has played Jesus before? Would we just bring oh, him yeah, back to play Jesus yeah. again? Yeah. Makes He's sense, a good right? actor. I'd good actor. Great actor. Played about played the role before. Could do it again. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. All right, we've got it to settle now. <laughs> I don't know how we went from from three popes to <laughs> Jesus Christ for a rumble, but we did. We did. Uh, well, we given us given us the three of us in one <laughs> one audio room, I think we're doing fine. Do you want to do the next one again, Ryan? Sure. I, I just I'm just looking at this picture. He looks awfully. This guy looks a lot like John Howard. Um, <laughs> in the 1820s, John Quincy Adams approved an expedition to the center of the earth. Part of the plan was to meet the race of people living inside the earth and conduct trade with them. And we see it was completely successful. We constantly trade with the underground as well. That's just, you know, I mean, Jamie, that's not, that's not an interesting Have you not fact. seen that's Pacific just... Rim, Chris? That's what exactly. happens. Have you not seen Journey to the Center of the Earth or any of the thousands of movies where this happens? This is, I mean, this if, is if, it's got, if it's got Brendan Fraser in it, I've seen it, mate. Have yes. you not seen Atlantis, where this very thing happens? Which Atlantis, the one with Jason Momoa, or the other one with Jason Momoa? No, the Momoa? cartoon series um, yeah, the, the, yeah. with... Um, what's with the name? character that's suspiciously modelled off Daniel Jackson? Yes. <laughs> with um, um, with Michael think, J. Fox playing the lead role as Milo. I think I have, but not, as, not since I was a child. No, you know, Journey to the Centre of the Earth concept. Lost yeah. of Atlantis is there. So I mean, this is that. That's not really more of a. That's not really just a. Well, cl- clearly, this guy saw that movie, um, loved it, and said, "We're going there." Well, this guy, uh, just reading a little bit more of the article, he he believed the Earth was made up of several spheres, and there were there were openings at the north and south poles that could be used to get to the inside of the Earth. So clearly, it's just. Um, I mean, but several spheres. So I'm assuming he means like an onion. Where you can just peel away a layer. It's weird. Or, what is, or, is he, or is he really referring? Yeah. So yeah, I would imagine it's the onion concept where there's layers, and so essentially out, you know. So essentially, we're the top layer because we have yeah. access to the sun, but there'll be another layer, but they'll have to have some sort of light source of their own. And I would imagine that's what we're trying to steal because if we can steal their light source, not only we, we could then power our society. Obviously, then. The main character of this falls in love with one of the native women and basically realizes that we can't destroy this beautiful society and then he joins them to, to rise up against humanity and fight back you know basically what's avatar at this point i was just about to say isn't that avatar <laughs> avatar fern gully i mean <laughs> yeah fern gully pocahontas i mean yeah. last samurai i mean i mean the, 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 you know the, the, it's, a, it's a rich area it's a rich field of um of, so basically of, of saying it was like it's like a bit bit of a decoy. The guys going, yes, we're going there to meet them and trade with them. But uh... yeah, no, we're going to go steal their unobtainium. That's what, that's what we're damn well doing. We're going to go steal their unobtainium, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on that Avatar movie, that's the most that's the most believable thing about that whole movie. Is that not that he would want to save the people? He's saying, "I'm doing this for the hot girl." Of course, that's every like again. <laughs> that's the most believable part about it all. Not the whole like, "Oh, I I fell in love with their culture." Man, that's a lie. You know, that's a lie, dude. Yeah. You fell in love with them titties. Exactly. <laughs> you you yeah. fell you fell in, in love with one culture, <laughs> one part of one the part culture. of the culture. So one, you know, one and specific. You're not- <laughs> she likes the culture, so that 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 means you have to you know destroy destroy their entire military to 
to save it. And there'll be nothing bad that's going to happen. That's why there's another movie because everything worked out perfectly. <laughs> yes. Uh... But here's what's weird about that whole thing. And, you know, not to get down the rabbit hole on Avatar. One, they make giant Avatar people. Cool. That's fine. I can, I can you know, you can then link with them and they, they can move. But then they make them fully functional in terms of basically being able to give birth because in the sequel, he has multiple children that he's given birth to with Natiri. It's like, yep. how did they figure that one out? Like, is like, what kind of science was involved to go, we want to talk to these people and have sex with them. What? No, just talk to them. Right? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's fine. Also, workable penises. Just, just, right, okay. just watch this video on Pornhub. We of course. No, no, again. Chris. I, I understand that from, you know, my mind. I need to know. Were the, all the scientists or the head of the science department building these avatars, was it a man? It probably was, and it probably wanted to have sex with the blue aliens. Then, again, that's, yeah, that, yeah, again, okay, no, and, look. And, and the way that he justified it was, hey, you know Smurfs? You know how you've always wanted to, you know, Smurfette, you know? Smurfette, hey, sure. I mean... Bigger, and we can do it. Science. Science. That's And that's the exact conversation... That led to avatars <laughs> being able to have sex. Yeah. No, you could just see that the scientists pitching this way to talk to these aliens, right? Not voice communicators or anything, just giant like avatars. And you go, the, one of the scientists going, very good, very good, Dr. Shaw. Absolutely. I mean, just one question. I see online you have about 50,000 fan fiction art, um, stories of you and Smurfettes. Is that anything to do with what we were talking about there? Oh, no, that's just. Completely side side conversation, not relevant to to my science. Yeah, I just so, did that in college, like I'm not yeah. So there's no other way to talk to them apart from the giant blue aliens. Yep, no other way. <laughs> why why are we way. calling this? Why are we calling this project Bone Big Smurfette? I was just it's just, just, just coincidental, coincidental. <laughs> but again, another another funny thing about that, that movie Avatar, they're digging up this unobtainium from the ground to go. Oh, we have to we have to basically this is the thing that matters. Let's not forget that we've now grown full human bodies of melted it with alien DNA, and then we can second it, like, like, link to it. It's these tiny rocks that's going to save us. That's what's like. How? <laughs> what? Like what? Again, have you seen this video? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 so, so, this so. will explain everything. It's see, Smurfette is just he, yeah. Yeah, and their mining techniques was all out there. No one strip mines these days. But again, we're not, we're, not, we're not talking about why, you know, they could have actually mined under the tree safely, taken out the unobtainium without even the aliens even knowing it. But that's, that's, again, that's not, even, that's not even, you know, we won't get to James Cameron's heavy-handed, you know, <laughs> metaphors. Well, you know the saying, men did greater things when boobs were harder to see. Absolutely. Clearly, I, clearly they, they had seen a lot and then they hadn't seen enough. And then, like, it was like, be, what is like, people say, like, oh, men have always stared beyond the shore. Yes, to find more boobs. That's not yeah. the, you know, that's, you know, Men's, men have always stared beyond the shore because there's a chick with the tits out that's just a little bit further. <laughs> a little down. further than the shore. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what, you know, why on earth would, would a whole bunch of men go on a boat for six months without, because they know there's boobs on the other end of it. That's, this is the whole point. But there you go, Jamie. You can officially use hashtag boobs for this podcast. It's going to be the title of the quote episode. Yeah. I reckon we'll get a billion downloads. <laughs> of course. Uh, or 8,000 and eight downloads. <laughs> I like it. Exactly. I'll take that number over Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'll be looking for that number. And speaking of boobs, in 1518, in the Roman city of Strasbourg, 
hundreds of people came down with dancing mania, where they danced for days on end and seemed unable to stop. Some of the dancers kept going until they died from exhaustion, strokes, and heart attacks. Mm -hmm. Experts say it may have been a form of mass hysteria. The event became known as Dancing Plague of 1518, and I'm pretty sure this could have been an episode of Supernatural. You see, that was wrong. I think I think they've misunderstood this story. What the story was was this town banned dancing. <gasps> then someone else, you know, Kevin Bacon moved into this town and realized <laughs> that there was there was no dancing. And you know what? It's wrong for them not to dance. And so he just had to cut loose, foot loose. <laughs> and then, and you know, you know, also once he started dancing, he had the time of his life. <laughs> never felt that way before. Never. <laughs> Do you think that this could be the reason the town in Footloose banned dancing? Makes complete Possibly. sense. Actually, that, that, that movie never made sense, but yes. But, this, <laughs> but now, this now it does. Now it does. <laughs> they were wanting to avoid the mass hysteria of dancing. We've solved a myth. <laughs> we have solved the reason why Footloose makes complete logical sense. <laughs> okay, now, now Chris, in, in true... Season one to five, Eric Capri's strongest supernatural world universe. Mm-hmm. Make this, make this a, a story for us. Like, what's the what's the reason? What's the demon? What's the creature? What's the what's happening? Well, there's two ways you could go about this. the 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 most logical way is that someone within the town is spiking the drinks to get these people to go and hallucinate um, dance. Because there is a ancient god that feeds on the euphoria of dance. Basically, it could be dance, sex doesn't matter. He feeds on the you know, the euphoria is his drug, and so he's you know drugging people so that time go crazy. He would then basically feast upon their energy, but you know because it's supernatural, he loves some sort of like you know detractable pointy fangs that fire out from his face, you know, like like you know uh, similar to an octopus kind of thing and latch onto people's necks while they dance and drain their life away and you know the doctors are confused like oh these people must have died from dancing what are these two punctured holes in the back of their neck no that's nothing I don't know what that is <laughs> that you know typical typical supernatural style or you could go you could go with a ghost method method as well uh, you know a ghost is always a ghost is always a good one where you could essentially have it as much like a very straightforward story in terms of a ghost, you have an angry, an angry spirit. Much like the Footloose was, de- uh, you know, was denied his ability, his you know, his time to dance, and so he makes people dance to death, and that's his, and that, because that's what he's angry about. Either one works. Ghost, it would be dependent on the budget of your episode. Ghost is cheaper, I would imagine, than than you know, ancient evil. Can read the next one, Raihan? Yeah, sure. In 1921, the 15-year-old former emperor of China, Puyi, decided he wanted to have a phone installed in the palace for his personal use. His advisors tried to keep him from getting one because they were afraid it would give him too much independence since Puyi usually had no contact with the outside world. But when he finally got his phone, he just used it to make prank phone calls. (laughs) So there you go. He was the last emperor of China too. The last emperor of China. Uh, he lost his title when the empire was abolished in 1912. So his thing was he wanted to make prank calls. Is that correct? Yeah. Correct. Seymour that, Butts, you know. That's like... a lie. He wanted to call dirty hotlines. Let's be honest <laughs> about this. Like, Or was he setting trying to set them up? Because it was, you know, it was... 
I can imagine the hotlines that he would call. Press one and she'll show you more ankle. Press two. <laughs> of course. No, I mean, it is 19, like it's, it's an early 1900s. So showing a bit of ankle was like, of course. you know. Well, I mean, the, the point is, I, you know, I don't buy this whole prank call situation. I would definitely buy it if he wants to have phone sex with someone from Britain. No, but look, are you saying he's ahead of his time? Of course. Oh, again. The emperors of the time had a divine will from God. Of course, they're ahead of their time. So you you say you're saying one of his advisors came in like, Emperor, I've got the phone bill. What is it? Yes. <laughs> why is it charged five hundred dollar reduce? Why yeah, why, yeah, have yeah. Called, why have you called one one nine hundred? Show me your ankle. What what is it? But apparently, what it says he um he used to use a Beijing telephone directory. To me, he once called a famous uh, Chinese singer, and she picked up. He simply giggled for twenty minutes and hung up. You see, he was making sex calls. <laughs> Sorry, that, that, that just confirmed my theory. He was just listening to her voice. Hello, oh. <laughs> hello. Oh, are you saying it was the very first DSMI or whatever it is? ASMR. <laughs> ASMR. What the fuck? Is the I don't know. The letters. ASMR. <laughs> the letters. No, no. The, you know the funny thing about that story, Ryan, is and what they lift out the, the details is she called him. So, 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 he called her. She picked up. Yep. At the door, two guys walked in with rifles and they pointed and said, "Do not <laughs> hang up. That is the emperor on the call. Do not hang up." And so she used to sit there while he laughed and giggled, while you know, these two armed men pointing guns at her, saying, "If you hang up, we will shoot you." Because that is the emperor. You don't hang up on the emperor. <laughs> so that that was the prank call. <laughs> you know, those go, those two guards were tired because you know he, she would hang up. They dial again. They listen for the dial tone, and then they just run to the next house. <laughs> you know, it, it was a full time job, basically. But they called the Empress phone guard. But you know that, that, that was that was the thing. Their, their job was basically to move around Beijing. Whenever the emperor called someone, they would run there and point the weapons at them, saying, "You know, that is the emperor on the call. Laugh at his jokes. He is the greatest man alive, and you will listen to him, what he has to say." <laughs> There you go. And then people wondered why they rebelled against him. I mean, seriously. Like, <laughs> you know, just holding you know, no. Seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Because <laughs> he was one of the, it was the emperors that was always on the phone. Exactly. <laughs> he really was ahead of his time. It was ahead of his time, exactly. <laughs> like, like all 15-year-olds. Yeah. And then, and then, then, as the, then as the rebellion happens, and they're storming up the castle, and they're knocking down, and the, and the guys are like, don't do this. And then, then the leader of the rebellions are going, I have laughed at the emperor's jokes for the last time, as he pulls out his <laughs> rifle, and like, you know, as he charges for the revolution. <laughs> Obviously, this is what happened. I don't, know, I don't know what history books you're reading, but this is, this is the actual event. And Well, no one knows, because the kid was on the phone the whole time. Of course, um, yeah. Um, so moving over to China, there was an ancient Chinese board game, Chris. Have you heard of Lubo? I have not. Well, there are two recorded cases of Chinese nobles killing their opponents by hitting them with the game board. Ah, Monopoly. Monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) Not only, not only Monopoly, I mean, Cluedo as well. Let's, let's not put, let's put Clue in there as well. Um, Actually, no. You're right. No, you're right. Monopoly is Monopoly is the death to all. The the death. It's it's like it's worse than a Ouija board sometimes because <laughs> I reckon there's I reckon if you look it up, there's been more deaths caused by Monopoly than Ouija boards. I would say there's maybe more spousal murders because of Monopoly than anything else. They, they actually say that like the the Monopoly board game is more powerful than the you know the pentagram or. <laughs> 
that makes honestly that makes complete logical sense to me because you know monopoly is a cutthroat game so the fact that these two chinese individuals killed each other over playing what is, basically what is monopoly you know that makes sense to me like but is there any other board game that brings up such rage, or is it simply just because Monopoly's... I know that well, it's not a board game, but Uno apparently it's a card game that no, that's that's fun because you do dirty tricks on people because that's the point of it. You stack up, you stack up the the, the draw twos onto one human and just watch them basically draw fifty cards. That's the that's the best part <laughs> about that game. No, it's there's got to be like to Jamie's point, there has to be something else that makes people furious. I think Pictionary as well is another one that might. Because obviously, if one person can't draw and one person can't hack, then yeah. obviously your missionary game is going to basically that's yeah. eh, not going to go well for anyone's you know uh, charades and pictionary. Those are the two games, charades and and pictionary are the ones that I think would be also murder inducing amongst spouses, uh, particularly new couples. Mm-hmm. I would imagine new couples when they go to a new couples board game night. Oh, that's just a bloodbath waiting to happen. They've been together for a month. Oh, they can't yeah. survive a game of Pictionary. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> let alone like, don't don't get, don't bring out Monopoly. Yeah. My god, they're not ready yeah. for that. Yeah, like it's be know, ten like, years into your marriage before you play Monopoly. And um, you know, it's like you know, meeting the parents isn't the real test at all. It's <laughs> it's Monopoly. <laughs> Absolutely, if you can survive Monopoly, because you know, if you went, if you and you know, if you can survive constantly you know setting up the perfect the perfect corner with all the hotels and then watching your wife run through that hotel paying you all the money and then <laughs> throwing the board game around <laughs> then you you know that's when you know you survived it all <laughs> they call it the monopoly walls um and also, before the game even starts, there's a war over which piece you want to be. Like, again, that's, yeah. that's, I mean, the pieces, again, the pieces are superfluous. It doesn't fucking matter if you're the hat, the dog, the car. doesn't fucking matter. But it's, it's about board. personal choice. But, they, you know, there are, there are some die-hard, there, there are some die-in-the-world hat people, and there are some absolute insane dog people. And if unless they, unless they get those two pieces, oh, Lord. You know, you know there's another game that, you know, Scrabble. Never a fan. Scrabble's always a fun one to watch people fight. I guess it's because of people just questioning words and that's not a real uh, word. Let's get the dictionary out of what Yeah, there's a the, that word exists. Oh, double words go what the yeah, there's a whole school of war over that particular game. <laughs> yep. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Those were some rather interesting tales and stories. And it's interesting that Jamie of those stories. What made you pick them? I think ahead and I think about how you guys have responded. And ninety-nine and a half percent of the time, I get it accurate. Sometimes you surprise me um, with a whole tangent. No, um, I think we had a very tangent-filled episode. I don't think. Oh, I, look, I think. I think our episode was completely focused on point. <laughs> oh yeah. No, no, but look, look it, it's an on-point tangent. We we discussed at the beginning. We're going to talk about Chris Pratt, Tom Cru- uh, Tom Hanks, and then potentially <laughs> Avatar. Thank you for listening to the Avatar podcast. <laughs> and, and then we went to three Catholic popes and Jesus Christ and yeah. Satan okay, having a lot of that was a tangent. That, that was, was not again. Beautiful. You call that a tangent. I call that, that was a beautiful. I tangent. call that a factual argument. <laughs> I call that the main point of the whole thing. Is not, again, this is the main point of it. Is all is now. If, it is. It is my hope, right? Sorry to interrupt. That if this that clip goes viral, that we get a meme of three popes doing the pointing. Hashtag 
Satan money in the bank cash. <laughs> <laughs> no, Pope of you. Um, Pope of you, yes. <laughs> and I, yeah, we want to see the Pope hat hanging down from the chain, yeah. the ladders going up. That is exactly And there's got to be so many false finishes. Like you've just got to <laughs> see one of them climbing, just about to grab it, and the other one pushes the ladder over. I mean, that's just... That's yeah. just part of the course. But because of their acting ability, he has to make it very clear. It has to be very clear that he's like up there, but he's not meant to be. So you have to do the lamest swipe for the Pope's hat that you've ever seen in your life. Like not, not, not even a real swipe, but a, but a, uh, like a T-Rex like, eh, like trying to reach for the Pope's hat because he's not meant to win. But he knows he's not meant to win. But he has to, he still has to like try and pretend he's going for that. Because you look at you watching like, this match has only been going for five minutes. He's not yeah. going to win. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you're you saying the whole, the whole thing was orchestrated. But, but, but Pope Christopher fell off, and so uh, he he missed his rope, and so he he, he fell over. You know, then 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 uh, Pope John Paul he tripped over his shoes, and so he's like on the ground. But then this, you know, Peg Bennett's climbing up there. And then he goes, "Oh, I'm not meant to win." So he has to like pretend like he's trying to get the Pope's hat just so Pope Christopher could come up and knock the ladders down. This is you know you know, you know at, at that point they'll probably cut to commercial, and then then you go. Get are we are we gonna have the Pope in it that looked like Emperor Palpatine? <laughs> I can't remember who which pope that was. He was a German. All of them. All of no, them. But he really looked like Emperor. Emperor so what, what you're saying is, the um, a TV producer executive, whatever, mm-hmm. really is the one that chooses the pope. Yes. His <laughs> name is Vince McMahon. It's We've discussed this before. It's I don't know. It's I don't not know. fake. It's predetermined. Yes. It's Vince McMahon decides who's the pope. And then at the end of at the end of at the end of the match, once it's all said and done, they all stand in the in the ring and face the camera and go, "Now, kids, don't try this at home." Yeah. When Vince McMahon bought WCW, he also bought you know the papal seat. This is people, but this, exactly. this is this is this is this is, the, this is things that people forget about in history that you know small details about the contract was you know not only was it you know not only was it you know WCW down the bottom was like, and also the papal seat again he bought that yeah. he, he owns that now that's that's his. I mean, we all know Vince McMahon is so famous because he made a deal with the Crossroads demon. I mean, it's just same. But here's the thing: common knowledge. It's been more than ten years, and yet he's still again. Is it is it simply because he challenges the demon to a match every single time? And I think so. Yeah. Well, I think I I think I I'm going to go one step further. I think at the moment, and this is very topical too, because um, Uncle Vinny's in trouble with the. lawsuits with a few women that he had affairs with the, the totaling 12 billion dollars but let's not talk about that i think he's finally lost i reckon the crossroads demon finally got up and he's like well how do you want to go vince and he goes well surprise me okay i'm gonna take down take <laughs> taking the rain and you, you're gonna step down as ceo because you had an affair with 12 separate individual female wrestlers no but like those 12 affairs were probably crossroads demons <laughs> <laughs> quite possibly but again that's one way to go. I mean, if you, you know, I think <laughs> theoretically, like, could could you go to another Crossroads demon and make a deal? Oh, like, that'd that be quite, no. I think that'd be like a breach of contract. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like signing a contract for WWE and then signing this a contract at the same time with AEW while you're cutting a contract with WWE. I think there'd be a breach. All right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Or basically trying to be on WWE and OnlyFans at the same time. There is generally a yeah, exactly. Contract. That's they're just generally, no, 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 they're generally just saying no, no on that one. I mean, that's that's just cost the WWE have completely lost Paige now because she's just like I'm doing OnlyFans. Exactly. Well, I mean, then, that's just, um, you know... they say, well, you can quit, and then she said, okay, bye. <laughs> well, maybe there's a um, 50 year version of the contract. Maybe he's like, I'm I'm Vince McMahon. Damn it! I don't take 10 years. I take yeah. 50. 
But then the, all... the sacrifices are worth. He loses twelve million dollars <laughs> to um, unhappy women. Yeah. <laughs> or is it an elaborate ruse? Is he planning the comeback? Is he planning again? <laughs> is he's he only seventy-nine. He's only seventy-nine. He could come back from. He had a match at WrestleMania this year, for God's sake, when he's seventy-nine. I'm surprised that you know, just by the sheer weight of it all, he doesn't get broken in half. But you know, we'll we, we will see what happens. We want to see Jesus in a Money in the Bank match, and we want to see him go up against his arch rival Satan for supremacy of the world. This is what we're. This is what we've come to see. This is what we need in our world right now. This, this saves humanity, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Good night. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and, and all uh, that, that stuff. Too. <laughs> and, and and sorry to, to ruin your epic finish there, Chris. I had a few little. Jamie's just kicked out, and he's ready for he needs another another round. Yeah, well, we have, we have um, you got you got you got about one week left to enter our competition. We already have a, a a competition. We already have someone that has sent in the code word that has already been said in this episode. So, so use your money in the bank briefcase to cash in on this competition. That's right, and, and you can win. You can win a replica copy of. Grey Sports Almanac from Back to the Future. Someone said it was pointless because it doesn't have statistics for Australia, but um, the competition's open worldwide. So, that being said, I'm not as epic as Chris, but ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, <laughs> good night.